You are listening to the Art Wonk Podcasts, a show where we take a deep dive into what it takes to be successful in marketing if you are a visual artist or craftsperson. We will explore how the art world works as well as how to better achieve your professional goals. I am Neville Park, your host and resident Art Wonk. So settle in and join me as we get today's show underway. This episode is called How to Make a Sale. Yay! Hi everyone and welcome into this episode of the Art Wonk Podcast where today I'm going to be having a look at Selling Direct. The reality of the world as we're standing in it at the moment is things are changing fast when it comes to sales opportunities and how we're going to go about doing our business if we're makers of art or craft and we need to make sales. So this is unashamedly about making money. You can use some of this knowledge for making contacts or managing your relationships with uh, suppliers, but primarily I want to talk about what it takes to make a sale. There's a lot of people out there who make great art, but make very poor salespeople. And the biggest reason for that is they don't understand what they're doing or why they're doing it. We know that we need to sell stuff to survive. Um, we're trading our skills, our knowledge with others, and we don't quite get how this transaction works because it's not our core interest. I get that. It happens to be one of my core interests. This is the part of the wonk that actually gets excited. I love the interaction between me and other people. And how we do what we do and why we do what we do is really exciting. It's a creative process on its own. So today we're going to explore this. We're going to explore what it takes to actually make a sale. And um, you know the stages or levels of engagement that you go through as you're doing this process of selling things. Oh, so where do we start? Well, first off, I'm going to ask you to consider this one simple point. Only 7%, they say, of our communication is vocal, which makes doing a podcast like this blastedly hard because really in the end, I don't have the cues of watching your body language to see whether you've got the point, and you don't see my examples in terms of how I position myself or the physicality of me. And humans rely on these things. We use them an awful lot, assuming that we have the, um, the lovely ability to see. Um, we use more visual cues than anything else. And in sales especially, those non-verbal cues are really important parts of how we do the sales process. So I thought we might break down what a sale looks like for those of you who actually don't do this often. And why? Why am I talking about this? Well, I don't believe that the world as we knew it is going to be the same for some time. And that means some of your traditional outlet options and uh, ways to market will be disrupted. Now, if you're galleried already or you have an outlet or a number of outlets who supply your work to the public and they are continuing, I stress you must support them. Keep them going. Supply. Do not compete. Uh, and that, you know, is an important part of things because at some point we will find a new normal and you want to have people working on your behalf so you don't have to spend so much time doing the things you don't necessarily enjoy. That said, a good number of you are not going to be in positions where you have that luxury. And I think they're the ones that we're talking to today. 
if you are finding yourself needing to go out and find money and you make stuff that people are traditionally you know, willing to pay for, then you have to work out how to make a sale, how to go down the line of doing a, um, a stall, a fair, uh, or having your own pop-up gallery so that you can make an income that's, you know, basically recognizes the value of your work and recognizes the skill level that you bring to your work. I.e., I don't want you going out there and just having a sale and getting rid of stuff cheap. All you do there is teach people that there's no value in you and uh, you make it all about money and not about the actual relationship between your product and the buyer. So, rave on. Where do we go? Well, let's start with the mindset of a seller. Now, as a marketer and a seller of art, I love what I do. I love going to work every day in the gallery. I love the job of helping others find things that fit their worlds. And I think that's an important part of the process, the mindset. You have to actually want to be there. If you're going into a stall environment or a, um, a market environment, you're setting up a trestle table or a section of wall with your artwork, you have to want to be there. If you feel like this is the wrong place for you, it will translate in your body language and in the way you behave. So first and foremost, you have to work on considering uh, what it is about this thing that you can focus on as a positive. Now, if you make beautiful things, uh, you why not hear people compliment them? Why not put yourself in a position where you can actually tell people about your story? It's a wonderful experience. It's one of the things most of the artists that I represent miss out on is I get all the compliments about their work. So finding something that makes you feel good about being there is really important. Going in with the right mindset. The other one is making sure that you know who you're talking to. And I mean that quite specifically, not the person, but the people. Different groups in different places have very different ways of communicating. City people stand closer, talk faster, talk louder because they're used to background noise. Country people stand further apart. They speak generally a little bit quieter and more measured because they're not as pressured for time often. So, you know, if you're moving from your normal environment to another environment to make your sales opportunity happen, think about where you're going to be and the people you're going to be talking to. Make sure you're prepared. If you need wrapping or baggage, um, baggage, you know what I mean, bags or packaging type uh, things, make sure you've got them with you. Make sure you have a float so you can give change or a way of taking their credit card or whatever payment options you're engaged in collecting. Make sure that you've got good clothes on that are suitable for the job. Oh, great shoes. Important to have good, comfortable shoes. Keep drink nearby so you can stay hydrated. You know, all of the, the housekeeping things that are about looking after yourself apply in a sales environment. So we've decided that we're going to go and do a market because the opportunity is there and people now seem more happy to congregate in an outdoor space. Uh, we've got a gazebo, we've got a trestle table, we've got a tablecloth on that table and we've got our wares spread out for people to see. It's new to us because this isn't the way we normally do things, but we're giving it a go because we need the money. What next? Well, first and foremost, you have to work through the phase of making a sale. Uh, and they consist of welcoming, then qualifying or quantifying, and then closing. They're the three stages, and that's all we're going to focus on, keeping it nice and simple. 
there's a lot of literature and YouTube videos and things all about great sales techniques that rely on you being somehow a super psychologist who can read body language and understand people. And for high-powered positions where you're doing a lot of negotiating, these things can help. But the reality is, if you just focus on being there, being present, being joyful, and by that I mean really loving the fact that this is your stuff and you're getting to share it, you're going to have success. So, you know, first off, the mindset of welcome. How do you welcome people in your mindset? You know, you can say hi, g'day, whatcha, kia ora, all sorts of different greetings. That's, that's the words, but the way you're meant to be thinking actually makes a difference. You notice somebody walking up to your stall. Look at the, what they're carrying. Look at the way they're carrying themselves and watch what they do before you jump on them and say, Hi, how can I help you today? Because invariably, in that environment, you're going to push people away pretty much straight away. If you're looking at them and you're actually mindful of them, you'll notice some simple things that can help you out. If they reach out and touch something, you know that they're actually interested in that. They're not going to touch it otherwise. So that in itself gives you a guide. If they're carrying bags, you know, they're in shopping mode. If they're sort of looking like they don't really see your work, they're glancing around, there's a good chance they're looking for something instead of at your stuff. So first, that, that, that welcome phase comes down to reacting to and responding to the person in front of you. And the best way to do that is to either mimic their status or their, their attitude um, or to respond to it. So mimicking is where you might reach out and touch something as well while they're touching things and then say to them, gosh, that one looks pretty, doesn't it? And you're just drawing a straight comment about the work that they're touching. Um, and that's a great way to, to do things. You're touching them so they know that it's okay and you've now made a comment. It's not any kind of come on and spend your money thing. It's just building rapport. If people are standing back and looking and you've got something behind you, you can say to them, do you want me to bring that a bit closer for you? You know, you're just recognizing and acknowledging what they're doing. Your welcome will be very different for different people and depending on what it is you're selling. But it's not about just saying, hi, lovely weather we're having to everyone who comes along because people hear you say that to the last dude and they realize you're just going through the motions. So, First off, keep your mindset on recognizing the people in front of you and recognizing that they are individuals and acknowledging something individual about them. God, that top looks good on you. That's a neat color. Did you buy that here? Are you local? Something that draws them into a conversation is a great way to start. Don't be too personal and too nosy, but you can get away with quite a bit in this phase of the, the welcome because you're generally interested if you're faking it, don't do it. Once you've made rapport with somebody, you've got an acknowledgement. And sometimes you're going to get the acknowledgement of just looking. That's a knee jerk. It's not personal. They're actually giving you that a bit like if you bang them on the elbow and they twitch their arm. It's not a thought process that they went through. Let them have that space. Just go, hey, not a problem. We love it when you look at our stuff. Can't buy it if you haven't seen it or whatever your reply is. Um, but give them that little bit of extra space, then you need to start qualifying. You know, if they're looking at mugs or they're looking at jewellery, is this for you or are you looking for a gift? 
great way of finding out what they're doing. It's also asking them to confirm that they are looking for something specific. Um, have you got a spot on the wall at home for that? Um, is that something that we're going to need to talk about shipping for you? You know, you can, you can go in with lots of different questions, but you're looking to qualify what their interest or need is. Are they looking to buy today or are they just looking? Both ways you can make a sale, um, but sometimes you're going to make a sale on another day. So you need to give them the permission to know that you're going to be here next time if you're going to be. Or you can use a cautionary tale of saying, hey, look, we've just driven to town for this one weekend opportunity. I can give you my online details. You'd use this normally at the end of the process, by the way. Um, if you want to catch up with us, um, I wouldn't offer that up front. I'd be inclined to say, um, gosh, this is an amazing market. Really enjoying this. It's our first time here. Do you come in often? And then I can lead them into the fact that I'm not going to be here again. So they need to make a decision soon. But that qualifying and quantifying phase of, of doing this type of thing is when you are asking questions. If you are telling, you are not selling. You need to be asking questions, not grilling. But, you know, do you like that particular shade? Do you want to see another color base or choice if they're putting it down? Was that too big? We've got smaller ones over here. You know, ask questions, offer solutions. And, you know, if you're getting into this position where you're selling a bigger ticket item, you need to be comfortable that the price you have is fair and reasonable. And in doing that, you're going to go into a place where you're not justifying, you're actually adding value in your conversation. Would you like to know a little bit about the process behind that one? Because that was a real bugger to make. Um, or it might be that you say to people, um, I've actually spent 16 years trying to get that one right. I think I've got close to perfect on it. What do you think? You know, you, you can guide them into your um, value behind it by asking a question and offering to explain. Once you've got to the phase where you've got them touching or you've got a conversation going where they're talking about their place, their likes, what they like about it, that's a great one. Get them to tell you what they like about it. Excuse me, I'm doing a little bit of a survey. This is new to me. I've only started this technique recently. I've been doing painting for so many years, but this one, I'm looking for feedback. What do you think? What, what do you like about this picture? Get them going. Once they're telling you those types of things, uh, and if they mention something like, oh, I really love the way you use the color in that corner, it just makes it pop. So, you know, would that fit into your decor? Is that something that, that you have those colors at home? You know, would you like, in the end, to get to the point of what you should be doing is, would you like me to wrap it up? Or is there something, you know, we can courier this for you? You start the third phase, which is closing. And a lot of times you can make a sale without talking at all to people, simply because they'll walk up and buy. When that happens, don't start closing. Just take the money. You know, we have a tendency to feel so thankful that somebody's acknowledged our work and thankful that they've shown us respect and, and, and engaged in what we do, that we can suddenly make them our best friend and want to tell them our life story. Not a good thing to do. You know, ultimately, that closing phase, you ask for the sale. How do you want to pay for this? Um, pull out your credit card machine and say, are we putting this on the plastic? Just assume that they're going to buy it. Um, and at that point, then shut up. If they talk first, they're going to be telling you something really important. If you talk first, you're not going to hear what it is that they would have told you. 
oh, I didn't bring my credit card today. Um, it's like, oh, not a problem. I can hold it for you if you'd like, um, or we can deliver, uh, and you could pay then, or we do internet. Whatever your particular next option is, you can actually address. But when it comes to closing a sale, the goal is to listen to the person and then react to what they say. And once you've got the credit card in your hand, or you have to wrap the goods before you've done the credit card transaction, you could say, do you want to have one last look around and see if there's anything else you need? No gifts or anything you're needing right now? You can invite them to buy more. And that's an acceptable thing to do once you've got rapport, you've got this relationship, they've acknowledged they like your stuff, they've decided they're going to buy from you. It's really easy to add something onto a sale. You know, if they're buying a gift, they've told you they're buying a gift and you happen to have cards there, you know, do you need a card to go with that? Uh, and away you go. Now when it comes to pricing and closing sales as far as people asking for discounts, which you will get at markets or stalls, that's part of their culture or their expectation of the experience. Don't take offence. My standard line is, oh, I'd love to offer you something off it, but we need to make sales at the moment, so we've priced it at our best price. I hope you understand. And you know, generally people will go, oh, yeah, no, no, fair enough, and you're away. If they push, I have small things that I keep on hand to close sales, only big sales, where I will say to them, look, I'd love to give you something off, but I, I can't. But since I want you to see how much I appreciate your business, how about I throw in one of these? You know, if it's something with a $35 price point on it, then it obviously costs less than $35. It's perceived value. They're seeing the $35 worth of goods I'm giving them. If it was a $350 sale, and I was offering them $35 off because I was saying, oh, look, we'll knock 10% off, then I've actually gone down $35, when realistically I'm probably only down 6 or $7. So it's worth doing value-added. It teaches them two things. One, you back your pricing because it is fair and reasonable pricing. Two, you're giving them something they can either share with others or keep for themselves so they've got twice the impact to tell people about because they will go away and tell others, look what I got at the market. Isn't this brilliant? There's your advertising value in that giveaway alone. Never give your work a cheaper price point than you decided on unless that is your strategy from the start. And I don't believe in falsely pricing because generally speaking, if you don't get that conversation at all, Everyone walks around saying, oh, they've got this stuff so expensive over there. And they don't even get a chance to understand that you were prepared to drop the price. So there you go. You've got a basic mindset or framework. Never push, never lie, never manipulate or be dishonest. Go into the experience planning on having fun. Don't take it personally if they don't like your work or want your work today. They may well have issues going on that you have no idea about and you're just seeing that end result. Remember that men combat shop more often than not. They'll stand back, they make a decision, they come in, they buy and they leave. Women browse. You generally have to give ladies a little bit longer and spend more time accepting that they're going to fiddle and play and, and touch and engage that way. Um, and make sure that you don't tell people not to touch your product um, you can explain to them, oh, the surface on that one's pretty fragile. We touch it from this direction and then show them before you hand it over if you have to 
But once they've got it in their hand, if it's a possibility to do that, you're going to have a much higher percentage sale straight away because giving back something we like hurts. We don't want to go through that pain. We will actually go through the pain of paying to keep it. Okay, buying signals. People do things to indicate they're ready to buy now. Touching is a definite buying signal. Once they've picked it up, especially if they then turn their back to the stall or look around as if they're looking to go with it, they're not looking to do a runner with your goods. They're actually looking at, one, where is my partner or other things, but they're already imagining taking it away. So you just have to say, shall I wrap it? Do you want it in a bag? How do you want to pay for that one? Do you want more than one or is that one going to be enough? Whatever your closing line is. You look for people touching their um, pocket to check if they've got their wallet with them. It's not so much that they're scared they haven't, it's just reaffirming that they can pay for it, they've got some way of doing it. They'll do the same, uh, a lady rearranging her handbag on her shoulder while she's touching a piece of something. Um, It's just a subconscious checklist they're going through. You know that they're thinking about making the purchase, all you have to do is say, do you want it? If they say I need to consult with my partner, they do need to consult with their partner. Don't make them feel uncomfortable. People will walk away and look uh, at other things. If you've got a fair price and you've given polite service, there's a good chance they'll be back. You can make an invitation at that point in time um, for them to visit your website or that you'll be back next week. But my suggestion is say to them something along the lines of, hey, not a problem. Would you like me to put it on hold for 10 minutes while you just check up with them? If they say, no, 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 it's fine, there's a good chance they're not going to come back and they're being polite. But still, you know, you've made a a decent attempt at it. You can't win everyone. And when you get home at the end of the day, if you've sold a lot, be happy. If you haven't sold a lot, be happy. You know, it's not just about making money. You've actually been out there advertising and promoting. It can take three or four visits to a destination before people who are local to that spot choose to back you. Different cultures, again, have different rhythms. But it's important that you keep in mind that it's not a judgment about you. It's a judgment about the marketplace on the day. And some people who do this regularly will tell you that you can have one week where you sell an awful lot of stuff and the next week nothing And there's no rhythm or rhyme. Same product, same price, same place, just different people. So, you know, keep in mind that you need to be able to be buoyant. If you're not the person to do that, maybe put somebody else on your stool, but make sure they know your story. Make sure they know about your product. Make sure they understand that they're there to sell. Anyone standing, staring at their phone, checking their emails, playing on social media and not making eye contact with the customers is a problem and that includes you number one security tip if you don't want to have your stuff pilfered or damaged or in some way dishonored don't look away and by that i mean simply when you're greeting people a smile a high but eye contact is important bad people don't want to be remembered and if they think you've seen them if you've made eye contact with them and and acknowledged them They're going to go, I'm going to be remembered here. They're going to be able to point me out in a lineup or whatever. They move on. Okay, you have less pilferage, less problems with people disrespecting or being rough around your stuff if they know that they've been seen. 
I'm not saying that people in markets behave like that often, but you are more likely to get that in an open space than you are in an environment like a gallery or a closed space. So this has been specifically about what it takes to make a sale in a stall or a street market type environment. I'm hoping that you will have other options unless that's the one you like. I actually really enjoy the energy of a marketplace. I like the way it works. I don't see it as the best place for everything to sell, but for a lot of things it can be a suitable way of getting to market. If you're going to do it and you have outlets, try and do it in an area away from your existing chain so that you're not competing with yourself. A couple of facts to keep in mind when choosing how to put your display together. Number one, more is not better. Uh, they did an ex uh, experiment not so long back in a supermarket. It was done by a marketing uh, group from a university where they placed an enormous number of jams, 24, 25 different brands of jam in a section of shelving in the supermarket. And then they surveyed the people who went down that aisle uh, and they found that everyone admitted that they'd seen the jams, or most people had, um, and they looked at how many made the purchase. Then they took away a whole pile of those jams. They brought it only down to four or five brands. And then they did the same thing. And they found more people bought jam when there was less of it on the shelf. Why is that? Primarily, it was because the people who were shopping for jam and interested in jam were overwhelmed by choice when there were so many and decided that there was no urgency or need to buy because there was so much there that they could get it at any time and they were feeling overwhelmed so they didn't shop. But when there was a limited range but a sufficient choice, they bought so don't feel like you have to put everything out at once. Yes, the person who might have been the perfect fit for that bowl um, or that particular size painting might not see it first off. But if you've got a conversation going and you identify they're looking for something a bit smaller than that one, you can say, oh, hang on, I've got one here. And you can pull it out of your store area. So don't put out everything at once. The other thing that's worth thinking about when it comes to your merchandising or your display uh, clear pricing, um, and that can be on the bottom of everything if you're a potter or a jeweler, it can be on a tag for each one. But make sure you tell everyone, you know, oh, the prices are on the bottom, so feel free to pick them up. You know, you're engaging then and giving them a guidance as to how to identify to you which ones they're interested in. If they look at the price, put it down quickly and seem to glance away from everything instead of to the other ones, then you know that they think that price was too high. You can use that knowledge especially if you see that repeatedly. If they look at the price, put it down, and then look to another one, you know that they're now shopping for something. Um, and you can start identifying by the next one they pick up, whether they went smaller, bigger, or whatever, where your pricing structure sits with them. So there's, there's all sorts of buying signals that are there. You will in time get better at picking them up. And if this is going to be your way to market, it's worth taking time out to start thinking about how you behave when you shop and how people around you are behaving. I love shopping. I don't buy much. I'm a useless shopper, but I love shopping because I go into stores and then I watch the way people behave. I'm fascinated with flow dynamics and how it all works. I'm a wonk. I mean, oh, it's obvious. But that's the thing. That detail tells you an awful lot about people. Uh, so, you know, when you're putting things together in a display of a stall, 
bear in mind that you have to make it so that you can get enough customers to counter to serve. Don't put barriers in the way if you can avoid it. Make sure your stuff spread out as cleanly and, and as enticingly as possible. You want to show your work in the best possible light, even though you can't always control the environment. Make sure that your pricing is sound. You've got a reason for it that you can justify. Don't get into arguments about how long it took. In fact, those types of questions are dangerous places to go. If you're talking with a minimum wage person and they ask you how many hours did it take to make and you give them a number and they do the maths and think you're being overpaid because they don't earn that much, you're reminding them they don't have that much money to spend, you better to actually have an answer along the lines of, it's taken me a lifetime of practice and trial and error. I can't remember exactly on that one, but there's a few hours work in it alone. Now that that's non-specific, but you've reminded them that this is actually a journey you're on and they're getting a moment of your lifetime. They're not getting just a couple of hours of work. Don't get drawn into material costs. If people want to talk to you about those things, they're likely to be other artists. Those conversations happen when there are no customers around. If a friend visits, don't let them monopolize your time. Say to them, hey, I can't wait to have a coffee with you after this is all over. Can we catch up then? Oh, you know, it's like I'm at work right now. But don't, yeah, don't let them define for you whether or not you get to talk to the next person at your stall. So, little bit of a rave around the whole idea of what you're doing there. The mindset is important. You need to remember that you're there to have fun and to show off your work and, if possible, sell it. Now, we can go into specifics of selling another time. I'm happy to do a show on it. Um, that whole thing about 7% of your communication being verbal, um, pay attention to what people are doing. Uh, and recognize that you don't have to be an expert salesperson. Just be honest, be interested, ask questions, and respond to the question's answer. So show you're listening. And if you can mimic them in a way that is polite, and I don't mean make fun of them, but if they're touching, you touch. If they're talking with a nice, bold, loud voice, speak up for them, because they'll appreciate hearing that tone back. If they talk quietly, lean in and talk quietly back. Um, you know, Show them that you are interested in them by being like them. They will trust you more. You'll build rapport and from rapport comes a sale. Now myself, I love um, a narrative selling uh, technique, which is different again to what we're talking about in a market. You don't always get to tell the stories the way you would. So we'll touch on that in another podcast. But for those of you who are going to go out and try and sell direct, I wish you lots of luck. It is fun. It's harrowing. It's exposing. It's lots of other things, but it's fun. After all, you make beautiful things and you're getting to share them. Not everyone's going to look on any given day. Don't let that be a bummer. Just remember, you're doing something that most people only ever dream of. Stand up proud. Make sure that you're ready. Have fun. And with that, I'm actually not going to sell something because I'm still in lockdown. I'm going to go and make something. Thanks for tuning into this rave uh, and look forward to the next one. Take care. (laughs) 
Hi everyone, it's Neville here again. Hey, just before I go, I want to remind you that we now have a new email address. It's info at theartwonk.com and also theartwonk.com is our website, which we're in the process of getting set up with show notes and follow-up from the shows. So please get in contact uh, with us if you have any questions or feedback, uh, especially if you feel that we somehow I glossed over something that's of importance to you. Uh, and yeah, really would enjoy having that, that connection with you as somebody who's trying to be a creative in today's environment. Uh, and let me know if there's stuff that I'm missing out or stuff you'd like to know. So now I'm off to my studio. Happy creating!